0: Welcome to episode 80 of the Toadstool Boardroom for the week of February 29th, 2024. My name's Logan Play, and I'm joined, as always, by Justin Korice. What's up, Logan? And Chris Shriver. Wow. We're actually recording on the 28th, but you can only say the 29th of February once every four years, so I felt like I wanted to lead with it. And we're dropping on Leap Day, which I'm excited about, and we've got a big show this week. We've got some Splatoon 3 DLC impressions to get to, a ton of awesome emails that you all sent in to Toadstoolboardroom at gmail.com, but we have to start with Pokemon Legends ZA which is an outstanding name, guys. Great job on the name selection. Uh, This was announced during this week's Pokemon Presents that we were all waiting on. It's coming to Nintendo Switch Systems simultaneously worldwide in 2025, which gets a big eye roll from me, which we'll talk about in a little bit. It takes place entirely within Lumio City, and it was teased that there's going to be an urban development plan, so maybe kind of a city builder or maybe an Animal Crossing type mode in this Pokemon game. And Nintendo and the Pokemon company are describing it as an ambitious new entry, but we didn't really see what it looks like yet in the teaser trailer. It was mostly a concept trailer, no actual gameplay footage. But at the very end, they did tease the return of Mega Evolution. So Chris, I know like me, you're a big Pokemon Legends Arceus fan. What did you think of this reveal trailer?
1: Uh. <laughs> I feel like I didn't get a lot out of it, Um, mainly because of gameplay. I I mean, I'm at the, and I've, I've said this before on the show uh, passionately. I am at the point with the Pokemon company where um, I need to see what it is I need to see the game that they're making before I can pass any judgment Um, so far on paper. All of this sounds great. I think um, I love that. We're finally getting that Z release that we didn't get with X and Y, Um, you know, for the, for those of you that remember uh, the days of Pokemon Emerald, like and Crystal, and all those releases, we never got that third entry of that series, and that kind of followed for the the remainder of um, you know the the different Pokemon generations that came out. Um, the urban development plan thing is interesting. I think um, I imagine what they'll end up doing is like <clears throat> as the city as you progress through the game, the city gets more and more developed, quote unquote. Um, and it's like when that city is actually like built for the first time. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that's how that that's going to work. I don't know how, yeah. what else would really make sense. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think this this made a lot of older Pokemon fans cautiously optimistic.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because X and Y is the only generation that never saw any sort of follow-up content. Because even after X and Y, you got Sun and Moon. Those got Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, which weren't the proper third version, but they were expanded (laughs) versions of the originals. And then ever since then, the Switch releases have all gotten DLC support for the year following the release. So Gen 6 is weirdly the only one that never got that follow-up. Don't really know why. The next year it was just Omega Ruby Ruby and Alpha Sapphire so I'm excited that they're returning to Gen 6. A little strange that they're skipping Gen 5 and kind of this remake cadence because we got Diamond and Pearl remakes and Pokemon Legends Arceus were kind of the Gen 4 Sinnoh games a couple years ago and now we're jumping straight ahead to Gen 6. So I did find that interesting. I'm hoping that Black and White still get their due someday because those are really great games that I'd like to see come back. But I'm excited about this. I, I think that Legends Arceus is probably my favorite Pokemon game ever. I think that... I've said this line on the show before, but I like catching them all more than becoming the very best trainer. I think it's a more compelling gameplay loop for that franchise. It just really worked for me. Justin, I know you're not the biggest Pokemon guy, but I want to hear your take on this.
2: Yeah, you're right. I'm not the biggest Pokemon guy, but this is the sort of thing that might be able to grab my attention. Um, You know, the... I liked what I saw out of Arceus. Um, Obviously, you know, I wish... It would run a lot better um but like returning to that and make like iterating on what they did there i think is potentially cool um when i was watching the the trailer the thing that stood out to me and you're right like they don't actually show gameplay there's like sketches and there's a little bit of motion and like some wireframe stuff but i did you know and it, it was like largely set in an urban city environment which is pretty novel and fresh for uh, most pokemon games um also hopefully that's on new hardware uh, because the idea of the Switch trying to do like urban cityscapes on top of Pokemon seems dubious at it is best it's not
0: on new hardware, it's a Nintendo Switch <sighs> game
2: unfortunately. I, I, let me rephrase that. My hope is that it it, it comes to new hardware and is yes. available when there's new hardware. Um should clarify that. Um but like a lot of what we saw too was like, you know, people and pokemon going through cities and coexisting, which is a lot a lot of stuff that I think is really cool from like the detective pikachu games and from the movie. So I would love to see a lot more of that and, uh, and to embrace that aspect of it. Outside of that, uh like I I really I don't know what this game is. I don't know what it's about. The fact that it's this far out and we're hearing about it is intriguing, though. Like It it does feel like this is an opportunity for them to do something ambitious, and I don't feel like they've done that in a long time. So that has me—at the very least, I'm going to be watching this one pretty closely and see if this is where I dip my toe back in.
0: Yeah, I would say that the last two Pokemon games were ambitious. They just ran so bad that that kind of got overshadowed. Like both Legends Arceus and Scarlet Violet tried things the series has never done before. But the conversation around them is largely, wow, they are ugly and they don't run well. And that's unfortunate. And kind of where I wanted to take this discussion was it's coming in 2025. They did not really provide anything beyond that. Legends Arceus came out in January of 2022. So this maybe could be a very early 2025 game, or it could be a fall game. And I think that where in the year it lands will really kind of indicate to me how seriously Game Freak is taking the Scarlet and Violet criticism. Because if it's just a January game, that's a three year dev cycle from when Legends Arceus shipped. That's the same dev cycle Game Freak has been on for the last several Pokemon generations. And it will tell me that maybe it's not till the next generation that we're going to see them take that feedback seriously because they've said they're going to take that feedback seriously and maybe put more resources into the games or take more time with the game so if this comes exactly basically three years to the date from legends arceus i wouldn't expect it to look and run as great as we all want it to but if it's a november game which i hope it is then maybe they are going to take that extra 10 months or so to polish it but it's we didn't see what it looks like maybe it's no, no, pretty I early on that. still. I, I think it's weird they didn't show us what it looks like. And it doesn't seem like we're going to see much of it this year. So I, I'm really interested to see if they're taking the, that feedback seriously and, and making it run and look better. Because like I said, this is a Switch game. It's announced for Nintendo Switch. It's not getting that new hardware boost, at least not from the jump. And even if it is, does come out when the Switch 2 is already available, it's still going to have to run on the 2017 hardware. So I, I'm interested to see where that lands.
1: Chris? The one thing I did want to point out is, um, I, thinking about it now, um, rather than it being this big, open, expansive landscape where there is no draw distance, you can see things popping in. It might make more sense for them to do it in a more closely uh, populated cityscape. Like that might be why they're doing it. Like you, you can cover some of that up more easily um, with a skyscraper. With nothing in it, um, then you can like, oh, there's the wide open field, and and there's nothing there. Um, I wonder if that's part of the reason they're doing this to make it more of just like compact.
0: Yeah, I can totally see that. I think that I think that the ZA title, which is endlessly funny. I think that it basically could mean like we're going back to the start, right? Z is the end of the alphabet, A is the start. I think it's the start of Lumio City. I think you're going to go, it's going to take place back in time, just like Legends Arceus took place well before Diamond and Pearl, and it's going to be about how was Lumio City built. And I think that you are going to play the instrumental role in building that. And I think that's why the entire trailer looked like a blueprint for a city, like an architecture blueprint. And I think that's cool. I think that's a cool concept. But it leads you to my next question, which is, is it going to bring back the catching mechanics that Legends Arceus had that made it such a success for me? Or does the Legends branding kind of just mean, hey, we're going to take a region that, you know, from the mainline games and go back in time and say, hey, this is what this place used to look like. And beyond that, it's kind of a blank slate to build up from there, because I could see this not really playing like Legends Arceus at all, given that it takes place in one city entirely, because Legends Arceus is about capturing kind of that Breath of the Wild feel of, oh, what's over the next hill? And that the wind blowing through the grass kind of feel that Breath of the Wild started and everybody else stole from And I kind of wonder if Legends doesn't really mean that, it just means it's a Game Freak game, but not a traditional Pokemon game. I think that might be what Legends means. So we really have no idea what this game is, if that ends up being the case. But I'd be sad if the catching was gone, because I love it very, very much. Uh, also, does anyone care about Mega Evolution? And Chris from X and Y, did you care about that mechanic? Because a lot of people are excited that's coming back.
1: Uh, I mean, sure, uh, I used it in the game, but I'm not. I wasn't.
0: It wasn't like that logo popped up and I lost my mind. I was like, oh, cool,
1: they're bringing that back. Like that was it. That was that was my reaction.
0: Yeah, Mega Evolution is when they started introducing kind of a new gimmick, and I don't usually say the word gimmick because I think it's it's productive but i mean it in a room they started introducing a gimmick every generation that i think harmed the gameplay it was just kind of a press to win button that you had it with z moves in sun and moon you had it with gigantamaxing in sword and shield and yeah that was where i fell off from that a little bit but yeah yeah um and then my other question kind of is this is the first time in a decade that Pokemon's taken a year off. It is the first year since 2015 that we won't see a new Game Freak game in the fall. And I was kind of expecting Pokemon to carry the fall lineup this year, as it always does. And there's a new report, again, that the Switch 2 has apparently been delayed to March. This corroborating kind of reports we heard from Western outlets. This comes from the Japanese outlet Nikkei. So it's looking like maybe 2025 for Switch 2. Justin, what's the fall 2024 lineup going to be? I mean, it's that's a tough one to answer because
2: you know it's the same prediction we probably made last year and the year before that. You know, you have this giant catalog of titles you could pull from, right? Uh, if ever there was a right time to drop a fire red, uh, uh, on you know Nintendo Switch online, it seems like now would be the time for it. So I think something like that would be a slam dunk win. But we've also seen that they that Nintendo, frankly, has their own thoughts about what constitutes a slam dunk win, and that the fact that that seems obvious to us doesn't mean that that's the route that they want to go. I would I'm skeptical of the idea that we'll get through an entire year without any new Pokemon something. Uh, I think there's a reasonable chance that we'll we'll see something brought back or we'll go back to one of the other side Pokemon projects, uh, like a Pokemon snap or something like that. Um, but I, I have a hard time believing we're not going to see anything Pokemon this year.
0: Yeah. It's just weird. It wasn't announced in this presentation. If that's true, it seemed like the place to do it, especially in a very brief 12 minute video that was mobile game updates and then this at the very end. So yeah, I was expecting something along those lines too. And I still, Inc. I, I agree with you. I still think we could see Pokemon crop up in some way, but
2: there's know, there's like a lot think. of time for another direct, but but you know for between here and the fall. And, and usually they have the one that like sets up the fall season, so I wouldn't be surprised to see something at that time.
0: How about you, Chris? What's this mean for the fall 2024 lineup?
1: I'm kind of torn. Um, I think part of it, like part of me wants to believe that um, the Pokemon Company is kind of looking at uh, what's been going on over the past couple of years and come to the realization that like we need fans to uh clamor a little bit like you need them to want it and i think right now at least casual pokemon fans don't because i think uh scarlet and uh violet it's so the wound is still healing a little bit for a lot of people um and maybe i'm you know the exception to that in terms of like or maybe I'm the extreme of that, I should say. <clears throat> but I think um, I don't know. I think that the reception of that game—not financial reception, obviously—but the critical reception of that game, um, I think it. I, I hope it. It forced Game Freak to take a, a long, hard look in the mirror, or at least the Pokemon Company, because I don't think it's necessarily Game Freak's fault. Um, no, and us. yeah, from at least from what we've we've heard. Um, you know, so I really hope that that they're they're taking the time to say, okay, how do we make the fan base? Uh, how do we regain their trust and their faith? Um, because if you if you're just dishing out content to dish it out, at some point people are going to stop caring, and you can't have that happen.
0: Yeah, and I'm still frustrated with how that all went down in 2022. I think they pushed their luck too far, and I think it maybe changed the trajectory of the franchise a little bit because. In fall of 2021, right, you had the Diamond and Pearl remakes, and then two months later is when you had Legends Arceus, which we all said, wow, this could have used another year to cook, and then Scarlet and Violet could have used another year or two to cook, and that came out just 10 months later, so it was, right, it was that 12 month span, we had three mainline Pokemon games launched, and it felt like too much, especially considering two of them felt unfinished, and I think we'd be having a much different outlook and conversations about Pokemon as a whole had Legends Arceus just launched November of 2022 and then Scarlet Violet had launched three months ago in November of 2023. I think everything would be different around this franchise, but instead now there's a lot of questions about its future for the first time ever. Like I said, 10 years. For the first time in 10 years, we're not getting a new game. Like, that is notable. That is something to point out that they have taken note that, hey, something's going to change. I hope this game looks and runs well. I really hope it does.
2: I also think we should probably acknowledge, though, that, like, that might not be the case. Like, it might not be something big. It might not be they're making wild swings or making changes or they're responding to criticism like that. I mean, we, we see it across the gaming landscape right now, folks not having titles for this year. Like, Sony's not releasing anything this year period and so some of that could also just come down to the fact that it really seems like as things went through like covid during development everything kind of ended up aligned and sort of released kind of all at once largely last year uh and then you know there's a gap leading to the next line of stuff from a lot of folks and i think it's entirely possible that you know game freak and the pokemon that's really also be swept up in that
1: yeah
0: yeah no yeah like i said at the top of all this it's very possible. It's just their standard three-year dev cycle, January of 22 to January of 25, and nothing changes, and yep. still 15 million people will buy it. It's yep. it's very possible that that is happening, which is why I wish they had shown us a little bit more or told us a little bit more, because yeah, they really left a lot up to just speculation right now. Speaking of speculation, something that is, I I mentioned my big eye roll at the start of all this, I couldn't handle the headlines coming out after this thing of, oh, wow, they said it's launching simultaneously worldwide in 2025, or that it's coming to Nintendo Nintendo Switch systems. Sorry, people, that is what the Pokemon company has been saying for the last 10 years. X and Y is actually the one that started this whole thing of their simultaneous worldwide release where Pokemon games stopped coming out a year early in Japan and started coming everywhere at the same time, the Detective Pikachu Returns trailer said coming simultaneously worldwide in 2023. It said that. Is that coming to Switch too? No, I don't think so. And then Nintendo Switch systems, they say that all the time too because of Switch Lite and Switch OLED. They call it the Nintendo Switch family of systems or the Nintendo 3DS family of systems. So no, you really think that they're gonna let something slip about their next gen plans in an official trailer for Pokemon. No, they're so careful about how they word everything. It's just the hype train's too much and I'm trying to put it to an end. (laughs) I'm sick of it. And that is is my stance on, I'm sick of it. I thought that was ridiculous that people were taking those two tiny words as switch to hints, as if they would ever let something like that pass in one of their trailers.
2: Logan's over here slamming the brakes on the hype train. I am.
1: You have to. I mean, I, I feel like it's gotten so out of control.
0: It has. It really has. And I'm I mean, I'm not I'm not innocent in that. I started this year saying this was the year for sure. And it looks like I may have been wrong and I'm fine with that. I have so many games left to play from last year. Like, yeah, there's still so much going on. And there's so many great games coming out all the time right now like Splatoon 3 Side Order, which is the newest DLC for Splatoon 3. Finally, wave two of the expansion pass is out after it was announced about a year and a half ago, so finally this thing came out, and I reviewed it. It's up now on IGN. I ended up giving it an 8 out of 10. I think this is a great expansion. Chris has played it. Justin's played it. I want to hear from you guys and what you think. Chris, we'll start with you.
1: I said it... uh before Justin hopped on I don't know so uh, we were we were chatting about it in our discord and uh, Logan and I think one of our listeners said that they finished it within one or uh, two or three runs uh, they got through it uh, to the to the top of the spire um, and I don't know what you're doing and it proves how bad I am at this game
0: motion controls that's the answer
1: no it's it not just that I mean I, I'm using them. Um, oh, you are I did, okay because uh, I know for a yeah, time. You when, didn't when have in, yeah, when I'm in, yeah, uh, when I'm in TV mode, I am uh, or docked mode, I'm, I'm using it. Um, but I think I got to twenty is the highest I've gotten. And uh, there's, <clears throat> I will say, there's some weapons, and I, I, I've always kind of felt this way about Splatoon in general. There's some weapons that I'm like, I don't understand how people are using these and actually like getting any kills. Like, I feel like they don't do anything at all. Um, and then there's others where I'm just like dominating. Um, that being said, I think it, I, I think it's very fun. I think it is very chatty. Um, I think there's a lot of dialogue that they are putting into the world um, for fans that are very into Splatoon lore, and like I appreciate that. But like, oh my god, like they just they don't stop talking in this game. Um, and uh, the, I think it takes a while. For you to get enough chips to actually notice a difference with the weapon that you're using, like not until like the tenth or fifteenth floor will you really start to feel like, oh, okay, this is like really having an impact on on the weapon that I'm using, whether it's like the the rate of fire or the amount of damage that it deals. Um, and I, I, to to an extent, that makes sense. Like you need to have them stack in order to see any like relatively yeah. decent result. Um, but I think there's enough uh, variety in the missions here uh, to keep it interesting. I don't feel like I do the same thing too often, uh, like back to back, which is good. They're quick, um, and it's very easy to uh, pick up, play a few rounds of it and, and put down. Like it, it is kind of like the perfect game for me right now at this point in my life. Um, and I think that's why I keep keep playing it other than sweet game. Um, But no, I think if you're a fan of Splatoon and maybe multiplayer is a little too intimidating for you and you've gone through the single player content, but you're like kind of digging uh, or you're into the idea of like playing the game a little bit more, I think you should definitely check this out. Absolutely.
0: Justin, I know that you're also not a fan of the chattiness. Let's hear about it.
2: Yeah, man, am I not. Um, And so this this is a common problem with, like Nintendo games in particular you know this the the amount the amount of dialogue that they put between you and actually playing their game is frankly kind of painful uh, and i like I I power through it and it's tough too, because like you do that then you get into like your first floor then there's a lot of talk between floors then you get to the next floor they talk some more you get to the next floor they talk some more and like I will say I, w- I was rolling my eyes at that quite a bit um, especially because the the gameplay is really fun and I wanted to do that and so eventually you do get through it and it becomes a lot less chatty and so you kind of survive yeah, that definitely. and, and I, I, I I like the way it it plays a lot um, something that's always really appealed to me about Splatoon is how well it mixes mobility with gunplay. Uh, and I like to be extremely mobile in shooty games. Uh, and so, you know, you're you're in a series of basically small arenas with one of a, a few different types of obje- objectives to achieve before you move on. And so getting there and, you know, managing... Taking out enemies, completing your objective, inking the floor, re-inking the floor, refilling your gun. I like that. I like that whole spinning plates thing. I I feel like I'm so slick and cool when I'm shooting over here, swim, pop up, shoot over here, refill, climb up a wall, jump down. And it captures that extremely well. Frankly, it makes me feel like uh, I... I wish I was good enough to feel in competitive multiplayer. Uh, and so I really, really like it. I, I, I haven't played as much as you guys. I, I basically finished the first Spire, if you know what that means, like through the first boss fight. Okay.
0: Like the tutorial, uh, kind of, yeah.
2: Yeah, 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 basically. Although I, I, I will say I did I did find that it, um, it's not a, like, do nothing, everything just, you know, bows before you tutorial. Like Like, you, you got to put a little bit of work in it to push through it. And so I really appreciated that, and it made me feel good about the potential challenge down the road and i will say just as a guy who plays like a lot of a lot of roguelikes and rogue roguelites the those elements are good like i i, I love the um you, you may you have a palette that um fills with different uh, buffs as you clear floors as you move up and it's a great combination of giving you progress so that as you go the challenge you take on the number of enemies you face like ramps up and of like mixing things up and making each run be a little bit different and giving you maybe a little bit different tactic to each run based on how things are falling and so you know those elements are, are really really positive so at least in the early going uh this this to me is something that's right up my alley
0: yeah i will say also that first 10 floor uh Spire before you unlock the full 30 floor spire is the chattiest part of the game. So they still do talk to you so. in the elevator a little bit between yeah. runs as you start taking on the actual proper tower, but it's not nearly as intrusive. And then after you clear the spire once and go back for repeat clears, they barely talk to you at all. So it definitely diminishes over time, which is is definitely nice. Uh, but yeah, I've beat this game. There's 12 weapons in side order, and I have cleared the spire with seven of them now. I'm going for the true ending, which is clearing them with man. all. 12, and i love this so much i i think it is it's just fantastic I, I think that something that really really sticks out to me about it is that this is what gives splatoon 3 its unique identity right I, I think that in the lead up back when odell was still on this show and we sat here and talked week after week after week about what makes splatoon 3 different and what ended up making it different is it was just the most polished best version that eliminated a lot of the warts from Splatoon 1 and 2, like grouping up with your friend in a lobby, having a place to warm up, customizing the lockers, a more bespoke battle pass, right? It did all those things much better than the series did. But still, it was Turf War, it was a campaign, it was ranked, and it was Salmon Run. This is Splatoon 3's unique thing, and it it nails it. it. It does it really, really well. I had a problem with it that was too easy. Granted, I know I'm really good at Splatoon, right? I think it is the game that I am best at in this world. But I still was hoping for a little bit more challenge than I ended up getting. I did clear the Spire on my second try, and it does. It started me out with my dualies, which is my main. That is my main weapon that I've played 120 hours of Splatoon with. So I was ready to go right from the start. But the gameplay is so fun that I didn't really care that I cleared it right away because I wanted to go back and switch my weapon. And to unlock new weapons, you have to climb the tower with weapons you haven't climbed it with yet that is how they have it set up so i couldn't just grind with my dualies to unlock all 12 weapons i needed to kind of say okay what weapon do i feel next best about so i can climb this 34 tower with it and then get these locker keys to open up doors in the locker that's in the hub area to unlock more weapons and then i'm saving kind of the weapons i feel least comfortable with to the end because i'm hoping that all the upgrades i will have done to my character and to the pearl drone which is an awesome new mechanic i want to talk about too will be able to carry me through the 30 floors even if i, I suck with like the heavy splatling i hate the the, the gatling gun and splatoon i am so so bad at it but the Pearl Joan is awesome. It is a glider that you can use. Like a, now, they have their own Link-like glider from Zelda, and it can throw splat bombs. It can unleash specials. Basically, it can do all the work for you. And once you clear the tower, there's a chip that you, an upgrade you can buy that's called it's like color chip bias or something like that. And basically, what that means is. Every time you go on a new floor in the Spire, you're choosing between three different options. And you see what difficulty that floor is, what the mission objective is, and what color chip you'll get for completing it. And you have three choices every time. And what color chip bias does is it sees what color chips you're picking in the early floors, and then it makes color chips of that type more likely to show up as you climb the tower. So if I am picking color chips to just totally make my Pearl drone overpowered, it will give me more chips to continue to do that. So in one run, and I captured some footage of this that's gonna be in the video version of my review, I'm doing nothing. I am doing nothing. And the Pearl drone is just going off and it is just eliminating everything that's on the screen and it's crazy and props to the Splatoon team for keeping that thing at 60 frames per second while that's happening because it's a miracle that Splatoon continues to run and look this good in a mode It's actually about breaking the game, right? Side order is about how much can you break this game? And I think that's so cool, and it's so different than anything else that is in Splatoon 3. And whether you want to do Salmon Run with your friends, which is terrible alone, by the way, right? That's the horde mode that only works in co-op. Like Helldivers, you can't play really Helldivers alone. you got to have a squad. At least I do, because I'm not very good at Helldivers. Maybe Justin could take on some missions alone. But Salmon Run is really tough alone. Side order is kind of that option if you don't want to play with people but you wanna go do this fun PvE horde mode. I think it's really brilliant. I have some issues with the roguelite elements. They are good at the start. You start to see the same floors. You start to see the same missions and the bosses. Floor 10 and floor 20, always a boss. There's only three to choose from on those floors and it picks for you. So for both of them combined. For two floors, there's three bosses. So you will see two out of three of the same bosses every time you climb up that tower. And the final boss on floor 30, same fight every time, and it doesn't change at all, and it gets a little exhausting to do the same stuff over and over. I wish that they upped the challenge in general, but even more on repeat runs. I think that every time you go up with a new weapon, it should be a little bit harder, or there should be an endless mode where I can try to get to floor 100 or 150, and it just gets crazier and crazier as I go, and I see how how well I can build out my kit to do it, but those are just nitpicks to what I otherwise think is an awesome, awesome addition to Splatoon 3, and it's like 2 and 3 is one of the best Nintendo games ever, and this just cements that for me. I think it's such a phenomenal package of content with this new roguelite mode that I'm going to keep playing until I beat it Beat it with every weapon, because I, I just think it's that good.
2: I think that's respectable. I will say something that... <clears throat> that uh, Speaking of those roguelike and roguelite element, I guess this would be a roguelite element, is I, I do like the upgrade system that you have between runs. Um The, the idea that, you know... Uh, y- uh, you can accumulate, I forget what the currency is called, but effectively let you buy... Pearls.
0: P-R-L-Z is how they spell you
2: know, it. Pearls. Uh, yeah. But, you know, effectively let you buy, like, small. Like, they like minor incremental things that can add up to be powerful over time, so that even if you are, let's say, hypothetically, somebody were not Logan Plant. Hypothetically. <laughs> and they were playing this game, and they wanted to reach the 30th floor. Um, you know, elements like that are important in games like this because they save you as a player from feeling like a run has been wasted if you don't make it to the end uh and so you know you 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 come back with something you know all those those like palaces and upgrades that we kind of uh, talked about uh, basically converted to cash and you use the cash to buy your upgrades uh and the system for that is easy it's intuitive it's not overly complicated there's not that many things to upgrade uh and so it's it's another incentive, too, that like, even if you you know don't want to clear it with every weapon, unlocking all the upgrades is something that's interesting and compelling to do. And there's, uh, you mentioned there's these keys that you get to open all of these various lockers, and, and some of them just can contain lore items like diary entries and things like that. So if you're really into the story, there's even more story to uncover in there. It's fully featured, which is, I think, something that not every DLC especially necessarily is, and I think that that's worth appreciating.
0: Yeah, yeah, some of the things that you can upgrade in between runs that are permanent upgrades, your swim speed, you can deal more damage, you can take less damage, you can buy extra lives, so if you die, your run isn't over right away. Like, there's a lot of really smart things that they implemented, and the whole thing just feels very, very well thought out. And I can see why it got delayed, and why it took them a little extra time, because the abilities and the color chips, the way that they just totally fit in with Splatoon's ability set, like, oh, you have a uh, a roller and now you, you knock back enemies 13% more and then you upgrade it again. Now it's 35% more like just really, <laughs> really smart things. That I, That was the I thing that, Splatoon.
1: that impressed me the most was when I did play with the roller. It was like they some of the abilities that they were giving me were catering towards that weapon. Um, so eventually I got to the point where there was one where I think it was like my rate of fire. Oh, there was that one in the umbrella. Um with the roller, it was like your rate of fire can increase a certain amount. So you're just constantly like lobbing pain at people, um, which is really cool. And then the other one was the umbrella where if you upgraded enough, you eventually can get to the point. Normally when you use the umbrella, you fire it, it stays open. And then if you hold the button, it'll like launch the umbrella across the map. Um, there's an upgrade where eventually you can just hold down the firing button and it like turns into a little like, and uh, the umbrella never disappears. Like it's just, turns into a shield basically um against enemies which i thought was really really cool so like there's little there's tweaks like that to each weapon um or at least those two weapons that i was able to, to pick out so far um but there's i want to say it's the fourth one that you get um it, it's like a, a basic pistol type of weapon the
0: weapon order is randomized you start with the dualist but everything oh, is randomized so i did not, not realize
1: that okay um Whatever that weapon was, it was terrible for me. I don't know what it was. <laughs> um, <coughs> uh, the other one that I do want to point out, um, that if, if you are willing to be patient and like fail a good amount, um, there's eventually an upgrade that you can get where you can... Um, it'll increase the amount of money that you get per run, and that money gets converted into pearls. So, in theory... If you start to get better at the game and your runs last longer and you can get more currency per run, then it makes more sense for you to upgrade that first because then you can you can then use those upgrades to purchase more upgrades later because you'll be getting more each run.
0: Yep, and there's vending machines which act as floors that are kind of nice break floors that still count in your climb up the spire. But you can buy extra lives or buy color chips there too, and those are a nice kind of reprieve from if you're struggling in some of the some of the
1: later floors. So I really, really or secondary like weapons, like the there's some that I've gotten where um, I really like the weapon that I have, but I really don't like the secondary, and then you can use that vending machine to swap that out like mid-run, which is uh, a good way to go about that.
0: Have you guys encountered danger or bonus floors yet yes danger floors are so so cool they add another layer of difficulty on top of the challenge itself and like it's oh no pearl drone and i got to a floor i did a run where I, I picked the hardest version every time if there was a rigorous difficulty i picked it if there was a danger modifier i picked it and i got i I was doing a build where I souped up my pearl drone like I was talking about. And then I got to a room with a danger modifier that said no pearl drone. And then I was left on my own. I didn't have any of her abilities. I couldn't glide with her to get out of danger. I just had to do it. And it was super tense and really awesome. There's some danger modifiers that turn out the lights. There's some that put enemy ink everywhere. There's some that are constantly sending missiles at you. Like really, really cool extra layers of difficulty. And then the flip side of that is the bonus modifier which add a different type of objective where if you complete it successfully you earn more membucks that's the money currency that we're talking about so there's one that says don't swim so you just have to walk around as an octoling the entire time and if you swim there's a counter in the corner of how much membucks it will give you if you succeed that ticks down with every (laughs) inch you swim as an octoling So, so it's super cool and it really forces you. You don't have to do it. If you fail the bonus objective, there's no penalty. You just don't get that extra money. There's one that says, don't use your special. And you can use your special three times before it hits zero. And I had made it to the very end of the mission without using it. I was about to die, and I reluctantly had to whip out the special and use it to save myself and ruin my bonus a little bit. But really cool stuff like that that just it adds to the variety of it, right? And that's the name of the game, is variety. That's what you want in your roguelite. And I think that they don't nail it i, I wish that bonus and, da- and danger showed up more than they do but when they are there it's it's a really really cool mix up to a stage i've seen before or an objective that i've seen before i also love the enemies i love the gelatin so much i think they're really creepy and really cool <laughs> and i love little top guys that when you kill them their top is left behind and then you can slam into the top and, and send it flying into groups of enemies like Really cool enemies that I was worried were just going to feel like the Salmonids from Salmon Run and all of their kind of abilities and attacks, but they feel totally unique, totally different, like a really cool new species of enemies.
1: Yeah, it reminded me a lot of if you're a Destiny player out there, anytime like Destiny would release a new piece of content that like, oh my gosh, they're adding a whole new subset of enemies in there. Um, You know, it's that same kind of feeling where it's like, I... Yes, you're playing the same game, but like you have to go about it in different ways, which is always fun. Um, I like the seahorse one because like every time he shows up, I like immediately am terrified. Um, which one? The the seahorse. It's like a giant like tower of a seahorse.
0: Oh, oh the one the sniper guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Shoot down. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But every time uh, I've been playing it, and Jess walks in, if I'm like getting swarmed by a bunch of these guys, she's like, "Oh my god, they're so creepy looking." <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Splatoon is weird. Splatoon is gets weird with it, and I love that about yeah. it. And yeah, this game just it. I I never. I feel like you could play it forever. Out. What'd you say?
1: I feel like you could play it forever. Like okay. so, it's just yeah. one of those games.
0: Yeah, and and it keeps your high scores too. So you could always just shoot for a higher score by picking more dangerous stuff. Or there is one upgrade you can buy that uh, allows you to skip color chips, so you don't upgrade your character, and then it rewards you with three times the pearls at the end if you manage to do that. Like, really cool stuff to do. So there is challenging stuff in there to do. So I recommend it and this just really was making me think about Splatoon kind of in the wider context of Nintendo and just I think this is <coughs> I think this is up there in terms of quality with like Mario and Zelda. I think Splatoon is that good. I think Splatoon is like it's in their big three in terms of like sales and marketing and popularity and all that but in terms of quality I think this is a top tier Nintendo franchise that like when Splatoon 4 gets announced, I'll be it, it'll be a big deal because I just think Splatoon is that good. I don't know if you guys agree with me on that. I kinda wanna get your takes, but I think Splatoon is as good as as, as Super Mario and Zelda. I think it's in the big three for Nintendo.
1: I think it's as good. I don't think it's as popular. Um
0: more popular in Japan. But yeah it,
1: Yeah, is. definitely more popular in Japan, but um it's I think it's getting there. Like it there's just it just doesn't have the, the legacy that the that Mario and Zelda have behind it but it's definitely not doing poorly yeah
0: Yeah. both ones on switch are 10 million plus sellers which is really really great yeah I I think it's time to start blowing up the universe and doing spin-offs and like a Splatoon platformer like a 2D Metroidvania Splatoon game I've talked about that for years like it's time to start expanding what Splatoon is I think I I think that it could do really well if they do that
2: transmedia baby let's go what was that? it's a transmedia give me that Splatoon anime
1: Yeah.
0: Splatoon there's a Splatoon manga that I've read some of that is pretty fun. So yeah, yeah let's let's see it. Give me the anime. But Splatoon three side order is awesome. Highly recommend it. Uh it is out on Switch. Now it's twenty five bucks for the it's uh, entire expansion pass. that Wave 1 is just Inkopolis Plaza from Splatoon 1, not much there. So this is the meat of it. it, is side order, which actually ties into a question we got from Derek, who asks, Hey guys, wondering what you think Nintendo's strategy will be in regards to adding DLC to the Switch Online subscription? Right now, I think it's Mario Kart Animal Crossing and Splatoon 2 in there. Yeah, that's the Octo Expansion that's in there from Splatoon 2. Will we be seeing any more in the future from which games and how long will it take to be added? Yeah, that is interesting, Derek, because I kind of thought it would be almost like a Game Pass thing where they added things into this as they came out. Like the the Booster Course Pass was a day one thing in that Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack, and Splatoon 3 is just not there. So maybe that means they're just happy with the amount of subscribers they're getting to Switch Online and don't feel the need to sacrifice those sales numbers with something like a splatoon 3 dlc justin what do you think yeah i think that's the most likely
2: scenario i think it is as long as they can provide enough content to justify folks opting into the program they don't have any incentive to put additional things on there i think that you know i think splatoon players spending 25 bucks on this dlc is you know lucrative uh you 10 million plus sales, even if your tax rate is, let's say, 20% of them, that's still a significant amount of money you're making right there. And so, you know, N- Nintendo, as much as we love them, is a extremely, extremely valuable and profitable company for a reason. And it's not just because we love their mascots. They are very, very business savvy, and they, they keep their eye on the bottom dollar. So I think based on... If if I had to speculate, which I don't, but I will anyway, uh, I, I, w- I would think that we'll continue to see you know Nintendo Switch Online be an ecosystem where they're happy to collect your 20 to 60 bucks a year, but uh, you know they will absolutely want to collect revenue for DLC packages anytime that they can.
0: Yeah, and I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if in September, which is the time I always like to point to because that's when Switch Online started, so that's when a lot of people's annuals are starting to run dry, I wouldn't be surprised if they say, hey, this is in there now, mm-hmm. after they sold it to us for the last seven months. And then they, they chuck it in there uh, kind of later down the line. I could see them doing that. But good value, I'd be for it. I don't think it's something they've just forgotten about, right? They, they just added F099 to switch online. They, they do add things to it pretty consistently. I think, like Justin said, they just wanted to sell it to us for as many people that would buy it day one uh, like we all did. So yeah, I'd like to see it. I, I think that's a really nice perk, though, of the expansion pack is getting those DLCs in there. Like, Booster Course Pass in there is an awesome value. Octo Expansion rules, and the Animal Crossing one is, is pretty content-rich, too. So, yeah, it'd be great to get those in there, too. So $50 a year for Nintendo's online, it's it's not as expensive as the other guys, but it's not cheap. So, it's nice if they keep adding incentives to that. Chris, you got anything on this one?
1: Uh, mainly that I feel like at some point it does make sense for them to uh, to drop... to. To drop maybe not drop Splatoon 2's DLC but but add threes, um, I got to imagine the install base of people playing Splatoon two at this point. Like it, it doesn't make sense for them to um, promote DLC for a game that not that it's dead, but like the amount of play the player base is just way smaller in two than three at this point. Um, it's not a good representation of your online product if. I'm a brand new player and I go in there and it's like, okay, I have this single player experience which is very good in in, in Splatoon 2. And then I go to play online and I'm like, where are all the people? Um, like, you're kind of... that. Now you're just forcing people into playing uh, or, or into thinking about picking up the third one. Um, I could see them maybe doing it for some of the... Like, adding some titles if they... If, and I'm kind of surprised they haven't really done it yet. Like, there's not a it usually comes with a price drop of the system, but like, there's not really like a Nintendo selects for switch yet. Um, like that lineup, but there, ha- there hasn't had to be um, because they just keep selling the things. Um, so it, when, and if that ever happens, I got to imagine they're going to start adding DLC to kind of coincide with that. Um, Cause if you're somebody buying a switch day one, it makes a, it's a lot more attractive to say, hey, you can pick up this game for $30 with your console. Oh, by the way, if you subscribe to online, you also get access to the DLC. Like That's crazy if they can do that. Um, At some point, they're going to be able to. I just don't know if they would wait until a new console comes out to do that.
0: Yeah, and if they ever, like, bundled Splatoon 3 in with, a, like, a price drop version of the console.
1: Right, yeah. You get
0: that with the online. Because that's what you can do with Mario Kart right now, is that Mario Kart 8 bundle. They sell millions <coughs> of every holiday season. And then you just hop on the expansion pass, and then you've got 96 tracks right out of the box. So, yeah, it's a smart move. But we'll see. I I did think they were going to use it more than they have been with DLC. The Pokémon DLCs aren't in there either. They just haven't really done it since... Uh, since they launched it so that's been a little surprising but we are going to move on to the rest of our egads emails for this week you can always email the show to- toadstoolboardroom at gmail.com or join our discord and we're going to post a new link for that because i think the one someone commented chris the one we have pinned right now is just it's
1: today. probably expired
0: so it doesn't work so oh yeah a new yeah. link up in uh, on twitter at toadstoolbr so you can come and join us in our discord community and maybe in the episode description too if you don't have a twitter anymore So this first one comes from Kurt, who says, hey, boardroom, I bet you weren't expecting a mention of a science fair to lead to a Nintendo story, but I have to brag about my favorite science fair project I ever did. In eighth grade, my best friend and I did a project to find out if playing video games raises your heart rate. We took the heart rate of a few of our friends and ourselves before playing two levels of Sonic Adventure 2 Battle, Awesome choice, by the way, which had just come out, and then took our heart rate after playing and compared the numbers. Honestly, it was just an excuse to play video games for homework, but we actually did so well with the project that we moved on to the district round. We brought my GameCube and designed our board in Sonic Blue and Shadow Red and Black and pasted pictures of cutscenes from the game. Attached is a picture of our presentation at the district fair. I did look at it. It's awesome. Uh, yeah if we if we have your permission Kurt we could share that so everybody else could see it so email us if, if you're okay if we can share that uh, if I remember correctly we discovered playing video games does raise your heart rate but honestly the science really came secondary in this fun project love the show look forward to it every week keep up the great work thanks Kurt that's awesome that is awesome that's like there's an episode of a sitcom where they do like uh, they play games to see if it like makes your memory worse and they sit and play video <laughs> games for like 12 hours and uh, they can't remember anything I guess they proved that it did, but that's, that's awesome. That's why we play. That's yeah. Oh no. I yeah. I remember or play to forget. Is that how it goes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Justin, how was your science fair?
2: It was great. Uh, my, so, uh, if you didn't catch that show, uh, my daughter had a science fair, so I couldn't be on here. Her whole project was about, uh, helmets and concussions. And so she did a whole experiment where she had a bunch of different types of materials for like absorbing impact. And we dropped, uh, eggs from bearing heights on these materials to see, uh, which heights the eggs would crack against which materials. And of course we had the control, which was the floor and that egg cracked immediately. Uh, So wear your helmet kids. Um, So that was a lot of fun. And there were a lot of other really cool projects going on. Um, uh, Kurt's email actually uh, made me think of something actually similar. I did when I was in high school, which was a long time ago. Um, I was doing a science project uh, about, like, the effects of impairments, of being, like, intoxicated and things like that. And uh, we brought in an Xbox and Halo, and we had a friend, uh, a, a classmate friend of mine who I knew was really good at Halo, play a control game, just, like, just play a game, just normal. He wrecked shop. And then we're like, okay, now we're gonna impair you. So we put on glasses that, like, blurred his vision a little bit. We put a bunch of heavy coats on him to kind of try and, like, give him sort of a sluggishness to it. And then had him play again, and he got the floor mop with him. It was a really cool, really fun way to incorporate video games into science, and I think that um, if there is something in this industry that I wish we did more, it was talk about all of the uh, beyond just gaming applications of video games. I'm a big believer that there's a lot of really beneficial things we can do uh, with them. Uh, My son, for example, is an incredible reader, and he literally taught himself to read mostly by playing uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, so he can understand what everybody was saying. Uh, Video games rule and are great for science.
0: Yeah, I went to the Uh, So the MOPOP, the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle, did a Minecraft exhibit, and then that Mm -hmm. came on a tour to my city, and I went to that, and one of the coolest parts, awesome museum, by the way, it got me back into Minecraft in a huge way, Mm -hmm. Minecraft is so cool, but one of the the coolest parts of it was all the real world applications of Minecraft, and yeah, like these these schoolgirls who built their town in Minecraft and mapped out the safest route to walk to their school because they lived in kind of a dangerous area, and they did that in Minecraft. Or whoever designs the coolest playground in Minecraft, the city funded to actually build that playground in a park, uh, in, like in real life. Like really cool stuff that Minecraft can do. That 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 kind of just sparked. You saying that, Justin? But yeah, there's a ton of cool things that video games can do. Like playing Halo with drunk goggles on. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next question comes from Mike, who says, hey, Chairman, this question is mostly directed towards Justin, but please, Logan and Chris, feel Suck free it, to As a super-duper casual Nintendo gamer, like my library is almost exclusively Pokemon or Mario games, what games would you recommend to try and play with my three-year-old toddler? He's interested in the games when I play them, but he isn't quite there yet for doing too many actions at a time. His main game is the partner play feature of Let's Go Pikachu, where he likes to feed Pikachu the different berries that are in the game. I have some money in the bank of Nintendo, so if you have any recs, I would appreciate it greatly.
2: Yeah, that's a fabulous question. And it, so video games are something that we bond with in our family a lot. And there's a lot of good different options that you can do. And I will say you are right at the start of a very, very fast transition. Again, my, like I think my son was six when he beat Breath of the Wild for the first time. Like, life comes at you fast, so buckle up. Um, but you're totally on the right track. At, at, at this point, video games that you can play together are really, really good. Um, if you you know, manage to get your hands on Galaxy, for example. Uh putting the little one in charge of collecting star bits with the secondary controller. Uh is a really fun way to do it. Or like, you know, in uh Mario Odyssey, um the two player mario odyssey actually has a really really good mode where you can like let them be in charge because you can put it in like the easy mode they have more hearts if they stand still for a little while they heal um you can you can take control of cappy and help out with uh a lot of different actions so that's a really good option um i do wish this is one of times where i desperately wish that double dash were readily available because that would be such a good one just share a car uh and um do things together but like that that's really what what you want to be uh, looking out for primarily at this point is things that you can do together uh and and things where um one person can maybe take the lead um Another one, if you want to play something a little bit more old school, like introduce them to platform or something like Sonic the Hedgehog Two, uh, where you take control of Sonic, but they can play as Tails, which means they can't die, they can't lose rings, um, they get to base, it, but but they can like jump around, they can jump on enemies, and they get to help out and contribute in ways at times. But whether whether or not you can progress isn't entirely dependent on them, so you don't end up like stuck in a slog at any point, um, or you know anything cozy like animal crossing you can take the controls and just ask them hey where should we put this what do you want this to look like um how should we set this up stardew valley is great for stuff like that you know you can you know uh talk about how cute the dog is and talk about what kind of flowers you're gonna plant so there, there's a, a, a lot of options really um but but that's that's what i would be looking for is things where um you can still have the lion's share of control or have enough control to keep the experience moving in from getting like
1: frustrating yeah that that is key like you don't want to play lego titles with somebody that young because a <laughs> lot of those titles like they are very much like cooperative experience like i'm an adult and my wife and i used to play a lot of those and there were still moments where you know those would be a bit of a a slog um because together we couldn't figure out a puzzle because it wasn't clear um uh yeah i think mario mario odyssey in terms of my nieces and nephews because they're um They're about six at this point. Um, I have one that's four and one that's six. Um, That was a big one for like a lot of different members of my family. Um, That assist mode where it gives you, there's a blue arrow that it'll give you as well. Like it it tells you exactly where to go. Like this is where the closest moon is. Um, That's a really good way to kind of introduce them uh, to games. Um, Yoshi's Crafted World, that game has a mode where it almost like plays itself um, to an extent. Um, so that's a really good one. I would avoid Kirby Star Allies. That game, uh, is just, first of all, it's not very good, but, um, the, the cooperative experience in that game, um, it just isn't great. Um, but I would say it, it's hit or miss is, uh, Kirby in the Forgotten Land because that second player can play as Waddle D and mm-hmm. Kirby's kind of driving, um, the screen at any given time. Um, Waddle D just kind of teleports to wherever they need to go. So depending on, um, how good your child is at, or how good you want your child to get at uh, smashing things with a stick. Um, that's <laughs> that's what Waddle T does in that game. Um, those are the ones that I'm probably the most familiar with, at least this gen. Um, yeah, and then obviously the ones that you know Justin pointed out as well.
2: Yeah, and I, I do think at, at this point, um, you know, whatever your objectives are uh, for playing with your kid is uh, certainly entirely up to you, but I do think in general, like you know, amusing and delighting is really a great direction to go. And there's other things you can do. Untitled Goose Game. Hilarious. You don't need to be a grown-up to think Untitled Goose Game is extremely funny. You can give the control to them so they can just run around and honk at things. Um, they have a co-op mode now. Um, you can also, you know, pass the controller back and forth. Alright, you go do something silly and get chased away. I'm gonna do this objective. You go be silly. Um, another one, if you want to play together, um, Gang Beast is a little multiplayer uh it's, it's, it's a multiplayer game that con- intentionally controls terribly, where basically you control these very funny figures and grab each other and try and throw each other off of levels. It's kind of a, like, ultra silly, like, I don't even think it's possible to be good at, kind of, like, sort of a party game. Um, extremely funny. No stakes. Matches can be over quickly. You can lose on purpose if uh, uh, you want to th- throw them a, a little win. So, like... This, the the silly is good. Lean into the silly.
0: Well, Mario Kart, smart steer, auto accelerate. That game can basically drive itself too. But you might have Mario
1: Kart. it does on lower difficulties. Um, like fifty CC, you can definitely do. But once you get to like 100, 150 it does start to get more
0: difficult.
2: Yeah, I I will say for younger so like, players, uh, Mario Kart was definitely like so. I I play Mario Kart with my kids. I love playing Mario Kart with my kids. Uh, but like that's when that had a curve. That one took a little while before. Yeah. Um, like that was fun for them um but like that's an option like eventually the mario parties will be an option but they're we're not quite there yet um but so like I, I don't i was playing
0: smash when i was three years old I was
2: smash. <laughs> smash is great like i get things yeah. button mash and just be a character and just and i i spent a lot of hours with my kids playing smash just me and them against cpus like low-level cpus that's fun for them uh and you know you share a little high five after you guys win. You don't look at the kill count where they died 87 times and you got all the kills. (laughs) No, we, we won. Who should we be this time? Those things are enriching and entertaining and fun and leave an impression.
1: Honestly, if you have NSO, sorry, real quick, Logan, one more. Um, if you have NSO online and you have access to Mario 64, um, if, uh, your child is getting used to, uh, just moving around in a 3d space. My nephew, my, uh, Yeah, my one nephew spent, uh, I think it was like three hours just running around in the castle courtyard of that game. Like just having a ball, just learning how to control that game. And then what's good about that one, obviously, is like you can trade back and forth. Like, all right, let's work on the bomb on Battlefield stars together. Like, oh, it's too difficult. Okay, and then you pass the controller back and
0: forth. Yeah, there's a lot of great choices. Uh, I want to shout out two more that, I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't know for sure. That's my asterisk. But Chris was talking about Kirby and didn't mention the best Kirby on the system, which is Kirby's Return. I knew you're going to do once, that? Which uh, you can literally ride on. The other character can ride on Kirby's back. So if there's a platforming part or anything that's too difficult, they can just hop on your back and then you can piggyback them through the rest of the level. Mario Wonder, uh, Yoshi's can't die. Nabbit can't die and can just run through the level. It's not. We've talked about the issues in that one in multiplayer but that is that is a possibility um but then by the time um so my one of my friends uh, they have a, a son who's about to turn five and by the time he was four he was better at minecraft and knew more about it than any of us do minecraft is the ultimate kids game it what is one it of the best be sellers minecraft? of all time for a reason and it's on switch so
2: I the, the, the kids my kids do with minecraft absolutely blow my mind um, yeah.
0: and, and, <laughs> That's and I will say
2: what, well there are plenty of things that are predatory to be cautious about there are also um, shoot where was I going with this um, God, what's uh, there are a lot of fun cute options in Roblox um, and they will probably get interested and in, in, in integrated into Roblox eventually anyway. So that's yeah. one that just for your own edification, you probably want to um make sure you know how to navigate and are knowledgeable about.
0: Yeah, definitely. Cool. Hopefully you got some good recommendations. Let us know what you end up Up next comes from Kevin, who says, First of all, I want to say I love Mario Wonder. Nice, Kevin. I think it is full of creativity and it's just really fun to play. Logan, I've heard you say a few times that you didn't find any of the levels in Mario Wonder very difficult. I myself am a lifelong Mario and platforming fan, and I found the special world levels pretty challenging. I died plenty of times trying to complete them, especially when going for the big purple flower coins. They definitely weren't as hard as something like Darker Side of the Moon from Mario Odyssey, but I found them challenging nonetheless. What do you guys consider challenging in a platformer? Do you have to lose thirty lives before you complete it, or do you have some other gauge? Yeah, I think that for me, I was looking for a little bit more challenge because I think even the special worlds aren't as hard as like the special world in Super Mario World is harder than the special world. they're really devastating, <laughs> or crazy. Like or, or the ends, of, some of the end levels of Super Mario Brothers Three get kind of bonkers, and mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping for. Or, or Mario Three D World has really hard stuff. Just even compared within the franchise, I felt that. Mario wonder was just lacking some of that difficulty and yeah that that final badge challenge level it's tough it's hard but I didn't have to beat my head against the wall for longer than like 20 to 30 minutes or so to beat it and I think I've kind of been ruined by things like super meat boy or Celeste of which I have 100% both of those games and they're both crazy hard and I guess that for me is is what I look for in a challenging platformer. I love Celeste that doesn't have lives, and when you die, you're back within five seconds to try the next mega-hard room again. And I like mega-hard platforming challenges, not 2D games with platforming that their challenges lie mostly in their combat. I still like those games. like Metroid Dread is one of those games where platforming is not hard, but the combat is. But for me, my favorite type of game in the world is a 2D platformer with just devastating challenges that will take me... Upwards of a hundred lives to complete in some cases. So Mario doesn't have to be that type of game. I still loved it, even though it wasn't. But yeah, things like Celeste, things like Meat Boy, that's or or things like The End is Nigh, uh, or those are really really fun. Just man, if you just want to hate yourself for a few hours, you go you go and you play those, and you just try and fail, and and when you eventually triumph, it's just awesome. You guys have yeah. any difficult platforms you like? Well, uh, so. Uh, I think, as as somebody who's who's a critic, I
2: also do think there's a lot of di- like different definitions that are that like one can clarify because like you don't need to die to something for it to be hard. You you can take on hard content and potentially clear it on the first try and still consider it hard content. Likewise, um, punishing and challenging aren't necessarily the same thing, and you know things can kill you in cheap ways uh, and and you know cost you a lot of lives, but you know w- without w- without being like. Organically difficult, you know, uh, and and so things things that that do challenge well. You mentioned Super Mario World, like those those special stages, uh, like like tubular, like like play the level tubular and tell me that that's not an an exceptionally difficult level. Um, but it's also cool and clever and and does cool things. So, like those are the sort of things that I like to look for. Um, and you know, I I'm not a huge straight. Like just straight-up platformer player nowadays. But, you know, games that uh, do platforming or have challenging platforming uh, sections like Ori and the Blind Forest has, like, these post-boss-fight escape platforming sections that are really challenging um, but really rewarding because they're also extremely fair. Um, They are depending upon you to read, react, and execute. So I like things like that quite a bit. Um, That's something that I will gravitate towards. Um, Outside of that... um, you know, the, the platforming that you do in, like, the, the later, like, Donkey Kong Country games, right? They require really precise timing. Um, they require you to be able to jump at exactly the right moment, not too late, not too soon. You have to use... You have to use the fact that you can do things like affect the arc of your jump um, which like you can't you, know, you don't just mash and hold it the whole time. So oh, you're that, hurting
0: me! You're hurting me so much. They're what? so good. They're such good games, and we need another one so badly. It's so yeah.
2: sad. There and and it's it's because they're they're hard, but they're fair. They're not cheap or necessarily punishing. Um, they're just really difficult, and they they challenge you as a player to to step up and execute. That's what I like to see in a hard platformer
0: like super monkey ball one and two i have to shout them out every time those games are it's just you and the stage and there's pretty much nothing cheap in those games they're just brutally difficult physics-based platforming marble mazes that are just the greatest thing that's ever been designed yeah chris any tough games to shout out or what you look for in a tough game
1: i mean it's that tough but fair feeling it's like knowing that um the game the the problem isn't the game. The problem is my skill. And it's that feeling of like, OK, now my skill has has gotten better. Uh, I've gotten better at playing this game and now I can like complete the task that's in it. Um, ones that haven't been mentioned, Cuphead. I, I haven't even beaten that game. So I, I that game.
2: I played that for the first time over uh, the holiday break. Uh, oh, wow. So yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it, it was hard. I, I beat it, but it was tough.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a tough game.
2: No, I haven't played the
0: DLC yet. The DLC is so hard. It is so (laughs) hard. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, I definitely... uh, I got to get back to that at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, Other ones are... uh, I mean, Hollow Knight, I mentioned it on the show. That is definitely more of a... um, I mean, it's kind of a marriage of combat and um, actual platforming. it's, It's less the hits that you're dealing and more... The hits that you're not taking <laughs> i'll say that um yeah. you don't want to be catching hands in that game like um, game kind of yeah. Uh, yeah yeah exactly um but on a 2d plane and and shovel Knight, um the whatever the the proper name of that is i, I can't remember at the at the moment uh, shovel of hope maybe um yeah. like the original shovel Knight that launched um man i love that game it um it is a it is very tough but fair and it also uses a lot of the mechanics of like traditional NES style like DuckTales, uh Mega Man um NES style platformers that came out back in the day. And then also has a lot of like real unique mechanics that allow you to play the game in different ways. Um I think games that do that I tend to really enjoy. Uh Hollow Knight has that, um, with the badge system where uh you get different abilities that, you know, kinda kinda like what we talked about with Splatoon. Um, It lets you manipulate the way that you're interacting with the world, Um, and you can kind of go on, like, a power trip. Um, I think those, when when you find the right combination in a game like that, it just feels really, really good.
0: I like difficult games that feel good to play. Like, I am awful, awful, awful at Souls-likes, because... The character is like intentionally stiff and the mechanics are intentionally obtuse and it's about you overcoming that and mastering them to beat these bosses that stomp you in one hit. I don't like that. That is, I get why people do. I've just never been into it. I like games where the base mechanics feel awesome that you feel confident that you can overcome the insanity they throw at you, like Celeste. Some of the platforming stuff you do in Celeste is unbelievable. It is insane, but the character feels so good to control and the techniques are so fun to execute that these challenges are fun to, for me to take on. But games where it's like, I'm this naked man in the middle of this like <laughs> gothic hellscape and I have a butter knife and I don't like that. I, I get Again, I get why people do why it's one of the most popular genres there is but i like stuff where the character feels great which is why things like prince of persia the lost crown or metroid dread are awesome because samus feels awesome and the character whose name i forgot in prince of persia feels awesome and i really like stuff like that and your machine and f-zero gx feels awesome and that's why games like that are fun to tackle those challenges but Mario Wonder is awesome. Glad that we have people emailing in and saying that they love it too. All right. We got a question about third-party consoles and emulation. Chris wanted a lot of time to talk about that. So we're going to table that one for next week and, and make it one of our main topics of the show. Because Nintendo just filed a lawsuit against what Yuzu, the Nintendo yeah. Switch emulator. There's, so,
1: a, there's yeah, a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So we will talk about that next week. We didn't really have time for it this week with all the other stuff going on. But we will end the show with this question from Tyler who asks i love this question hey guys with the release of final fantasy 7 rebirth this week it got me thinking is there a nintendo game or even a non-nintendo game you would all like to see get the ff7 remake trilogy treatment like how they updated visuals slightly tweaked story components stretching out the original story over three games and modifying the gameplay also i just finished the great ace attorney chronicles this past weekend and it was just as great as your recommendation logan an awesome story with dozens of twists and turns with a great cast of characters now on to play the Apollo Justice Trilogy. Great, Tyler. Awesome. I'm so glad that you played it. You played Phoenix Wright, though, because you can't play Phoenix Wright. You can't play Apollo Justice until you play Phoenix Wright. So just want to make sure. But yep, Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, another fan converted. Awesome to hear it. Okay, <laughs> back to the Final Fantasy VII question. I have my answer right off the bat. So do you guys have one or should I just go for it? I mean, go for it, but I've got
1: go for characters. it. Yeah, Yeah, I'm locked <laughs> okay. and loaded
0: easy slam dunk for me I didn't have to think for a second about this Ocarina of Time it's not yeah. even a question for me it came out the same era as the original Final Fantasy 7 that early polygonal 3D era I still love the original Ocarina of Time but thinking about a modern remake of that that stuck to kind of the linear dungeon based Zelda that it wasn't open world it wasn't go anywhere it was made by a team passionate for the original but not necessarily the current Zelda team Imagine game one, they could stretch being a kid into the entire first game and it ends when you become a teenager at the, and draw the Master Sword. And Ocarina of Time ends, apparently, according to the official timeline, which I'm the first to say was just a marketing tool to sell books. But the official timeline has a route where Link dies. Let's see that game in an Ocarina of Time remake. That would be so cool because Final Fantasy seven, the remake trilogy, is one of my favorite things in gaming ever. I think it's so incredibly cool. I love meta stuff, like what it's doing. And I would love to see a Nintendo do something meta like that. And they have, in a little game called Age of Calamity, done some very cool meta alternate timeline stuff. Give the Ocarina of Time treatment that. Give me a trilogy where it ends with Link dying and Ganondorf riding off on a horse to Termina. And then the third game is Ganondorf in Termina, and he does Majora's Mask. That's all. That's my dream that will never come true. But Justin, let's go to you. What's your pick?
2: Yeah, I mean, I will say this category is tough because I'm a million years old, so I can think of a thousand games that I would love to see get this kind of a treatment and remake. Um, and I, I do want to shout out one of the best remakes of all time that did this Final Fantasy VII thing, I think before Final Fantasy VII, which was Mega Man Maverick Hunter X, which was a complete remake of Mega Man X uh, for the, I want to say it was the PSP, looked incredible, fully voiced, had this great movie uh, that took place before the game, uh, let you play as one of the, like, key villains from the series and play through in the entire game as them. Amazing. Fantastic. I love that game. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, a, a game that I would... I would Love to see get a Final Fantasy 7 remake style uh, remake. Instead, got one of the absolute worst remakes I've ever seen. Was Secret of Mana. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yes,
2: nailed it. The worst you got, ever. It's so bad. It's like okay, so so <laughs> keep everything about the game that didn't age well, which is like mostly the gameplay and the menu system, and replace what was still beautiful the amazing um like soundtrack and pixel graphics and swap that out and give it just the worst voice acting you can imagine it was it was one of my biggest disappointments <laughs> ever as a gamer, was was trying to play... I didn't even finish the remake. It's so bad.
0: It was broken, too. It crashed, like, every 30 oh. seconds. It was horrible. It didn't yeah. work.
2: Yeah, so I probably got it post patch then, because at least it, like, functioned for me, but like, if you could do something like at this scale with, like, completely rebuilt from scratch that doesn't play the same way that, um... <laughs> frankly has you like challenging some of your preconceived notions about what the story even is about and what you're doing that would be so good because it is such a great game with such a great story um i would love 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 to see that although if they were gonna do a zelda they should do link to the past they already did no i mean it's not the same
0: i mean do a big yeah i know oh, you could okay we won't get into that but it's fine it's fine. Basically, every Zelda game is telling a link to the past. It's okay. Yeah, it's you're right. So, so do it for real yeah. for once. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, because you could argue that Twilight Princess is already the remake treatment of Ocarina of Time. And so is Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I know. It's all of them. Yeah, but that's what we love about it. All right, uh, Chris, how about you?
1: Um, oh my god, mine totally just left my brain. Holy yeah, crap! I mean, other than other than Majora's Kazoie, um. I mean, we've talked about Earthbound getting remade like a million times on the show. Um, Weirdly enough, uh, because I don't know much about it, but like I've always had a weird fascination with Faxanadu on the NES. (laughs) Um, Okay, I would not mind somebody doing like a modern retelling of that, just so I could be exposed to it. Um, And then also Croner Trigger, which like I know is kind of like a you know an obvious one, but. I know that game is, like, available on Steam. Uh, or, like, there's a port of it available on Steam. Um, but it's all the same version. Um, or it's worse versions of the Super Nintendo release. Um, just, like, pull the trigger on it, man. Just do it. Like, what are you doing?
0: Pull the trigger. We got
1: that Chrono Cross remake. True.
2: Tell you what, though. Well, the, you the, the NES made me, th- made me think, uh, man, would a Metal Gear remake be rad. That
1: would Ooh. be nuts Full. if they did
2: that. Like, like, like Metal Gear Solid Five engine style. Oh yeah. Oh baby, let's do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of picks, but really for me, some when I think about someone taking a story and twisting it with weird time travel shenanigans, Zelda's just the pick. It's just the pick for me. Like I don't care yeah. how you do it, what you do it. With, <coughs> like that. Yeah, I would. I would just love, love to see that.
1: I'm also the games, the Killzone trilogy, I really miss those games like a lot. I went back and played the second one a couple weeks ago. Man, that game is good. Like it, it plays on like so many other first person shooters. Like everything's just so heavy in that game. I don't know. I miss that game.
2: Yeah, uh uh now those people make horizon.
1: I know it's so sad.
2: They're
0: very okay at this. I don't like those
2: games. Yeah, I, I I have thoughts about that. Not appropriate for this show, but I've got i got
1: yeah. thoughts about Horizon.
0: Well, okay. it's for that is Our show no for this one. week.
1: What was that, Chris? I said it's for everyone, and therefore no one.
0: We're we're gonna wrap up here. Let us know what, <laughs> what game you want to see remade. At sorry, I, I can't stand Horizon. It honestly riles me. Out. I don't like that. And yeah, not even uh, for. Yeah, it's not good. Anyways, I that's our show for this been. week. Email the show toadstoolboardroom at gmail.com. What do you want to see remade and stretched into three games? And find us on Twitter at toadstoolbr. I'm very excited to go and play some Final Fantasy VII Rebirth tonight after that question, Tyler. We won't be talking about it on this show, but yeah, hopefully some of you out there are looking forward to that one too. Justin, what are you playing, and where can people find you? Oh, man. So I, um, I'm i playing a whole lot of Nightingale. So uh,
2: my review in progress has been updated this week. Um, I'm, I don't know how much I, of that game I have left, but it is it is a pretty cool like survival crafting game that is also fairly story-driven in a pretty cool setting. Um, so hopefully I wrap that up this week so I can finish the review and put a bow on it before I move on to my next thing. Um, but that's basically where all my free time is going right now.
0: Chris, what are you playing, and where can people play
1: uh, I have been playing, other than the Splatoon uh, DLC, I've, I've still been chipping away at uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm so sorry that my cough is is bad. Um, and uh, I actually played a demo for a game that I recommend for anybody that is a fan of uh, the mission structures found within Banjo-Kazooie or Super Mario Odyssey. Um, that is called Promenade. It just came out. There's a demo for it on Switch. It is multi-platform. It is an indie title. Um, it is super charming. Uh, I love the, like, the little character in it. I love the, the world, the music. Um, yeah, if you are looking for like a cozy little uh, platformer with tiny little missions throughout it, uh, but also some challenging sections, um, and it also controls in a really unique way, uh, you know, it kind of came out of nowhere. I'm, I'm very interested to eventually pick it up. I'm trying to finish what I'm playing now before I pick it up. Um, but I really enjoyed my time with it so much that I kind of can't stop thinking about it. Uh, so yeah.
0: And you can find Chris at shrives 93 and Justin at K R I S. You can. Yes. You, go. Yeah. you can find me at Logan J Plant. I'm playing Splatoon, of course, like we talked about earlier, and I'm going to dive into Rebirth. Uh, all weekend long. I can't wait for it. Until next time, have a great week, and we'll catch you next week right here in the Toadstool boardroom. Go Mariners! Oh, go Mariners!